before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. about to listen to a special preview edition of The Endgame, featuring our very special guest, David Einhorn of Greenlight Capital. In this conversation, David elaborates on recent comments he made about the supposed death of value investing. He also explains why he believes inflation is now structural, and he highlights the difficulty facing central banks. He also takes us inside his experiences at some of the highest stakes poker tables in the world. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, this Week in Doom and Shifts Happen is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcast and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And now, on with the show. David, welcome to the Endgame. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We are thrilled to have a chance to talk to you. I'm delighted to be here. You know, I think I've listened to pretty much every Endgame podcast that you guys have had. I'm a huge fan of the show. So I, I think I'm like a like a frequent listener, first-time caller kind of. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You've just won yourself a set of steak knives if you listen to them all. So we'll get those in the mail to you, to you well, right that's, away. That's really good because I, I just moved and we need some steak knives. All right. This is perfect. There's so much we'd love to talk to you about. And um, I think Bill and I were both fascinated with a couple of interviews we saw you give recently in and around the, the Robinhood conference. And congratulations on that, by the way, another absolutely phenomenal event. A lot of it to do with value investing and the potential death of value investing. It's, it's, it's received a lot of headlines. And I think for, for Bill and I, as we try and figure out what the end game looks like, there are so many component parts to the end game. And I think value investing is one of those because it used to be just investing. You know, a couple of hundred years ago, what value investing has become was just called investing. You used to find (laughs) companies that you thought were valuable and you invested money in them and you sat and you watched and you waited for them to perform. And if they didn't, you sold them. It was that simple. So um, if we can start there with value investing and and the, the headlines all scream, you know, Einhorn calls death of value investing. Let's get a bit more nuance in it than that and try and flesh out your thoughts around that, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. I, I, I welcome the opportunity to elaborate on what I, on what I said and, and what I meant. Um, I'd quibble only slightly with your introduction. Value investing is the search for investing in things that are undervalued. It's right. not just investing, right? So like index investing is not value investing, but it is investing, right? Because you're not really focusing on what the value of things are. You're just trying to get like the market return or something like that. You know, I want to distinguish between what I said and I think what maybe people interpreted. I wasn't saying that value investors are going to do poorly or that value investing is not going to be a successful strategy. I actually think it's going to be a very successful strategy. And I think that we are in progress of performing much better than we did over the last period of time. But what I'm saying is value investing as an industry has been decimated. 
And I don't really fully see it coming back. I mean, it used to be that you had this active management industry and it was very large. And everybody was following Peter Lynch or whatever the heck they were doing. And they were trying to figure out what the best stocks to buy. And you would look back and say, wow, you know, I wish it was like 1955 and I could be Warren Buffett and there's nobody reading annual reports but me. And I can read these things and find companies at three times earnings and four times earnings that nobody's paying any attention to. And I can call my broker and, you know, this, this isn't so hard if you can actually just, you know, read some financial statements and, and, and you have the time, you know, to actually do that. So the, the, the industry, you know, mushroomed and it became a profession that a lot of people pursued. And when I entered the business, I, I was trained by somebody who was a value investor. And I had started a fund that was a value investing fund. And I hewed to the long-term view that over time, value investing outperforms growth investing um, because you have a margin for safety. So when you make a mistake in a value stock, you get most of your money back. Whereas in a growth stock, as it was taught at the time, they were more of momentum stocks. And so when the news changed, you had to get out relatively quickly. And that was very hard for, for those investors uh, to do. And in fact, as a long short strategy, if you could figure out what was going to trigger growth investors to leave something, you could actually do pretty well on both sides of the market. And so the original years of Greenlight, of, of my fund that I managed, was essentially understanding this whole dynamic. So on the long side, what we would do is we would find situations that were cheap and they were misunderstood and they were value investments. But there was a little bit of a catch, right? Because they were misunderstood, maybe they were going to do, they were going to be maybe not great companies, but maybe they'd be a little bit less bad than people thought. And not only that, there were hundreds of people following them. And it doesn't mean that they were large cap companies. The If you were on a conference call of a one or two or three billion dollar uh, cap company back in you know 1995 to 2005, you could rest assured that there were 30 mutual fund analysts on the call. And everyone was taking notes and they were sending reports to their portfolio managers and competing for who could have the best insight as to when their fund should buy. And so if we could figure out if we could buy something at 11 times earnings and have it do 10% better than expected, so it was really at 10 times earnings, and have it be re-rated to 15 times earnings, we could make 50 or 60% on a stock over a couple of years without really taking too much risk. And, and, and that could happen. And it would happen all the time because once these uh, long-only investors at these big shops realized, hey, it's not so bad and 10 or 11 isn't the right multiple for this. Then they have tons of money and they come in and they buy it every single day. And over six months, the stock gets re-rated. Re, re and if you have two or three of them competing for it, it can actually happen kind of, you know, kind of quickly. And that was basically our business. And um, what happened is, is, is around 2016, I'm going to call, you know, there's always the argument about indexing, which, which ties right into this whole story, right. which is indexing is not inherently like a bad idea, right? You, um, you get the average result, you get it with low transaction fees, you get it with low taxes, you probably come out ahead of the average. And if you can't figure out how to do this yourself, you know, what's wrong with getting basically average with low taxes and low fees? That's probably above average 
And if you don't have the, the fear and the greed that comes from making your own individual decisions and all that emotion, which costs a lot of people a lot of money, you can do really well with indexes. But indexing, the inherent view is, is that it is the price, um, it's a price taker. It's not the price maker. In other words, you're allowing all the other market participants to figure out what everything is worth, and then you get to participate. And so the consultants have ultimately won this battle on the indexing. And around 2015 or 2016, huge amounts of flows uh, went from active management to passive management. And it was literally like $3 trillion in the... um, you know, in the United States alone, which was an enormous percentage of the overall market. And what that did was, is it created an impossible situation for value investing. And here's the, re- here's the reason why. Because you say, well, if money goes into an index, it's going proportionally to the market cap. So the highly valued things get more money, the lower valued things get less money. But if, if 1% of the entire S&P gets new money, every stock gets 1%. And so every stock should do about the same. But that's not really what happened here because that would be the idea that it was a new money flow into the index. What actually happened is is there was another side to the trade. And the the other side was the redemption from the active managers. So if you say, well, what do the active managers hold? Well, let's just say hypothetically, just to make math work easily. Let's just say there's 500 stocks in the S&P, which there happen to be. And let's say that 498 of them are correctly valued. But one of them is overvalued and one of them is undervalued. So the one, they're both really only worth 10. But one of them is trading at five and the other one is trading at 20, right? So then you say, well, let's look at the universe of active managers and give them $25 to invest in those two stocks. How are they going to allocate that $25? And you, the knee jerk is to say, well, they put all $25 in the, in the undervalued stock. But it's not really true because some of them maybe owned the overvalued stock from lower levels or they like the story. Some of them probably can't figure out which is the undervalued stock or which is the over, under, overvalued stock. Some of them, their strategy might be technical or other type of thing in nature and might emphasize companies or, or just be less valuation sensitive relating to narratives or themes or, or whatnot. So if you look, took that $25 and you stipulated that $20 would go into the $5 stock and $5 would go into the $20 stock across the universe of active managers. If you take that $25 out as you switch from active to passive and you redeploy it into the index, what happens to the $25? Well, the overvalued stock gets $5 of selling and $20 of buying. And the undervalued stock gets uh, $20 of selling and $5 of buying. So what happens now is the $20 stock is now at 21 and the $5 stock is now at four and a half. And everybody looks at this situation and says, oh my God, the remaining active investors underperformed again. They had $20 in the stock that went from five to four and a half, and they were underweight, the one that went from 20 to 21. And then they look at it and say, well, let's do some more passive because this active thing isn't working out. And then even within active, even within active you're not gonna redeem from the guy who owned the stock at 20 that just went to 21, he's doing pretty well. In fact, he probably overperformed because he was overweight the thing that went up the most, 
right? And so you, you, this circulated to the tune of like $3 trillion. And the result of this was, was essentially like in 2018, it was most acute for us. Full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.